Hello and welcome to another episode of High and Wide Radio. I'm your host, Angry Jim, here with my co-host, Jack Smith. A couple topics we're going to touch on tonight. First and foremost, we have two teams in the Stanley Cup final. The St. Louis Blues have defeated the Sharks four games to two with a a 5-1 win tonight in St. Louis. I picked San Jose to go to the final. You know, it wasn't meant to be. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with that team. Jack, what? Uh, the St. Louis Blues, and, and you know what's going to happen on Twitter, guys like Craig Berube and Braden Shen and even Patrick Maroon now being in the Stanley Cup final. That just kills me that we have to talk about Patrick Maroon and how his long, lengthy career here in Philly. Uh, I don't think he ever wore a Flyers jersey as far as I'm concerned. He barely wore a Phantoms one, but he's considered a, a Flyer we let get away who's gone on to do such great things and his 10 goals during the regular season because he's so instrumental. Let's not talk about Jordan Biddington. Let's talk about Patrick Maroon. That's some of the brain-dead people who are on Twitter. So, yeah, we're going to have to endure that, <laughs> even though we had to endure our own terrible season and we've been doing nothing but looking forward to the offseason. Now we got to deal with this and the genius head coaching of Craig Berube and the lopsided trade that we lost in Braden Shen. And let's forget about the Tarasenkos and the Petroganos and the Biddingtons. Let's talk about them. Yeah, you know, you, you bring up good points because you know what we're going to see tomorrow on, on Twitter is, oh, we should have never got rid of Craig Berube or he's such a good coach and blah, 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 and we give up on guys too soon. Meanwhile, you have all the guys that, that don't want former Flyers coaches here, you know, uh, complaining about, oh, they're going to hire this guy, that guy. I think the Blues are just a solid team. I'm not sure um, a lot of the credit should go to Berube. You know, some should go to him because they obviously weren't playing well for one of the guys the Flyers just hired in Mike Yo. Um, but I think you're right. A lot of the credit should go to Jordan Bennington. And, you know, that, that team really turned it around. They were, I think they were picked to be a solid team at the beginning of the year. They kind of came out really flat. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're just as deserving as anybody in the West to be in that Stanley Cup, that's for sure. Yeah, no, I mean, they were good, pretty decent last year. Uh, they go out and they add two pretty damn solid centers. And um, uh, you brought him up off off air uh, from Buffalo. Uh, oh my God, what's his name? O'Reilly. You got Ryan O'Reilly, who's who's a stud. Like he, he's he's like their second line center, I think. He he's very underrated. Yeah, he's a, he's does it all. And when they were playing badly, he was still playing good. As well as Tyler Bozak, who's another center with Toronto as their third line center. He was like their number one for years. He was never that good talent-wise, but still, like to be your third, they added significant talent to an already pretty good defensive core. We knew goaltending was their issue, and they started playing. They they played bad. It was mainly Jake Allen was not good. Uh, Yao got fired, and guess what? Baruby didn't step in and start winning. It was much like when Carter Hart got brought up with the Flyers. When Biddington stepped into net, it was against the Flyers when he did it. His first game against his first NHL game, he got a shutout against the Flyers. Was that tell you? Uh, that's when they started winning and really turned their season around. Uh, and I hate to break it to some Flyers fans, but they're they were better than us, obviously in real life and on paper. You know that's why they traded for Shen and we traded for prospects. They're, that team is playoff ready, and they added in the off season to do that they added Shen the year before they added the two centers that just discussed and once their goaltending got fixed I don't think it really mattered who was the coach and if you want to so you want to say I I think that right there discredits Baruby yeah I mean don't get me wrong 
he deserves credit for sure, but I don't think the Flyers missed out on any genius head coach or anything like that. On top of that, you want to give me Braden Shen? Well, I just told you our team was rebuilding or retooling. We're not ready to win. So once Farabee and Morgan Frost proved to be bust, then you can tell me that was a bad trade. Not like he's winning any uh, con smites anytime soon, to be quite honest. And finally, the Maroon one is just an honest-to-God joke. He scored timely goals. We've seen terrible players score timely goals. Dan Carcillo comes to mind. So 10 goals all year, you're going to tell me Patrick Maroon. When really, you should be hating on Edmonton or New Jersey. That's who he actually played for. He was in our system back in like 2007. He never wore a Flyers jersey. So people are just pouring it on. They're not educated in the matter. And that leads to idiotic comments. So be prepared for that. I just put a hole in everything, but I'm sure they'll try anyway. (laughs) they definitely will they definitely will so we got blues and we got the bruins in the stanley cup final the team that nobody wanted to see come out of the east just because they're from boston what do you got man what what's your prediction here you know i do think the blues are a team of destiny right now i think boston's had an easier road the first round matchup against toronto was their toughest test by far uh, but they've had Toronto's number for the last couple of years. Uh, Tampa got bounced by Columbus. And I don't think Columbus, yeah, they surprised us all, but I don't think Tampa was ready. I think Tampa didn't play enough meaningful games heading into the playoffs where Boston did, where Columbus did. And those two teams clashed. And I think Boston is more of a team and had better goaltending. And everything just didn't match up. It was a decent series. And then Carolina, the clock struck. 12 on that Cinderella story. I mean, that bunch of jerks are, that was it. It was just a good run. They swept them in the Eastern conference finals. When you sweep a team in the Eastern conference finals, how hard could it be? Meanwhile, the Mm. blues are fighting for their lives almost every single playoff series. And nobody had them pegged to go as far as they're, they're now in the cup, which is insane. I, I think they have fought blood, sweat and tears. I think they're going to do it again one more time. And unless the only way I see them really losing is Biddington completely falters. And that's possible. These are some bright lights. I mean, I don't want to downplay Boston, but because they're a very good team and Rask is finally playing really well. They got a good mixture of young and old, but I would be surprised if this, at least the blues don't take it to six or seven games. So I'm going with the blues. I I think um, it's finally time for them to win a cup. It's been long enough. Uh, I was first, I was like, I don't want to see them win because of all the, Oh, the, for all the ex flyers, quote unquote, uh, but to see a Boston team win again, no thanks. Yeah, I'm gonna 100% agree. I'm gonna go Blues, and I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go seven games. Um, I'm going with them more because I want them to win. Uh, I'm just not gonna pick Boston. I, you know, I, I don't want to see Boston win, and I don't want to root for them to win in any way possible. Just because I picked them, I don't want them to win. So I'm gonna go for the the Blues in uh, in seven games. And I think it's going to have to be Bennington. I think it's going to be a hard physical series. Um, both teams, I think, are a good mixture of vets and, and um, guys in their prime. Because I, I, I don't think the, the Blues really have any younger guys. I think the Bruins might have more guys like like Charlie uh, McAvoy. What's his name? Charlie McAvoy, guys like that. The Blues, I think, they're primed to, to win a cup. It should be really interesting. And they're a fun team to watch. I've always been a fan of uh, Tarasenko. I like the way he plays. Uh, I like the way Ryan O'Reilly plays um, to think that, you know, I thought that they could move him during the season just a couple months ago. is It's just, it's crazy how far the blues, like they did it. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go blues in seven 
And, you know, before we spend too much time on the Stanley Cup final, why don't we move along here? Um, Ivan Provorov, still not signed. Your thoughts? With each passing day, it's getting worse and worse. I mean, I'm not ready to start panicking or anything yet, but we really thought that they would be signed by now, uh, or at least hearing that they're close or something. And it's pretty quiet, which is not good. And the Losers Tournament is taking place right now. Oh, I mean Worlds. And that's like, I don't know where they're at in that, but they're definitely way into it. And we got to remember this contract is supposed to be signed before that. And I haven't heard a peep outside of they're obviously having problems. So it's not a good sign. Um, I, I got There's nothing even talking about it, which means I don't even know if Fletcher and the his manager or ta- his agent are talking right now, which is... I don't want, I just, I see the people talking about possible trades and all that. And I know it's not a good idea. <laughs> like it's, if this happens, that's really bad. Uh, it would look bad on Fletcher. It would look bad on us and it would come back to bite us. So all you can do is hope and pray. And, you know, kind of like with Harper with the Phillies, you know, just one day you just hear, Oh, he's going to say he's about to sign. And then you read into it and then it happens. But, they're gonna get. They're gonna lose in a trade. They're gonna lose in the short term and the long term. So I just hope we can avoid that at all costs. Yeah, you know, and you're you're exactly right. Like there hasn't been a peep about Ivan Provorov, which is kind of kind of scary. You know, like what exactly is going on? It's you know, when, when did the, when did this tournament start? Like two weeks ago, let's say around that. And he was hoping to be signed before it. So it's kind of it's kind of going to start to get a little hairy soon if he's not – I mean, the draft is coming up in about a month. Um, Stanley Cup's going to be over in probably a week and a half, two weeks. Like, Flyers, arguably their best defenseman, is not signed. He's going to be a restricted free agent. There's going to be all kinds of shit flying around about uh, restricted free agents this year. I, I don't want to play around with that. Just get it done. Get something done. That's what I mean. I mean, the last time I seen anything about it, <laughs> we're looking at like almost three weeks ago, man. I mean, that's of anything, you know, and everything else coming out is like we might have some decisions to make. And that's not good. Um, I mean, he doesn't have to sign until like he, he start missing games. That won't be until October. So you got plenty of time. But you don't want to go into this draft and this offseason season not having him sign, that shouldn't be on your priority of things to do. You should be focusing on your team. You should have his contract number balanced into your budget for next year and years going forward when you try to sign free agents. So while there's no immediate risk, it could kind of mess up free agency. There's, and this is a big free agency. So, you know, it's not looking good for Fletch right now. Um, I feel like I keep, giving him the benefit of the doubt. Like at first I was like, well, he better do something to make this team better. He didn't do anything. He made some little, he got rid of wheel. He got rid of Weiss, you know? All right. Well, he better do something good at the trade deadline. Well, he got pretty much jack shit for Simmons and we were, we all kind of gave him pass. Well, Simmons wasn't really worth it. And when you look what happened at Nashville, maybe he's not. And so we gave him another pass, you know, we're like, well, my next thing was, let's see how he does. If he makes any trades, the draft and free agency. I took this contract, like, resign negotiations as, I won't say a given, but it's not something I thought I'd be worrying about, and I am. And it's, I, 
it's not good. It's just, it's not good. It doesn't, this, <laughs> these things never usually bold well, ne- almost never. And so, I mean, all you can do is wait. If it, every passing day, it looks worse and worse. And what, do, what are we going to do? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess it should be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, there's really not much else to say about what's, what's happening with Provov. We touched on last week, you brought up some good, uh, good contract comparisons. If you guys haven't listened to that episode, I suggest you go on, you go on and listen to that before you listen to this one. Uh, Jack had some good, good information about comparable contracts, um, from, from past signings. Um, yeah, I mean, what, what can we talk about now? We have the draft coming up, obviously, in a month. Um, you know, the last year's draft was, was Hextall's last draft. We think it was a pretty good one. Um, there's a, some questions on there who we will get to, uh, particularly the, the second of the two first-round picks. Um, but if, if we could start real quick with the first one, the number 14 overall uh, was Joel Farabee, uh, six-foot winger, 164 pounds, uh, had his first season at Boston University this year, his first and last, uh, let me just say, um, where he had 37 games played, 17 goals, 19 assists for 36 points, uh, and was a plus four for whatever that's worth. So pretty pretty solid year for his first year in college for Joel Farabee. Uh, he's going to be with the Phantoms next year, we think, could possibly crack the Flyers roster. Jack, your opinions on Joel Farabee's first year uh, in college? And what we could see next year. Yeah, I mean, you're part of the Braden Shen trade there really worked out for us. Uh, I We did one of our first uh, shows last year's draft, and I think you remember how excited I was when they, they did manage to get Farabee in that, that draft. There was a lot of names I wanted, but it felt like every couple of guys would have to fall. Farabee was like the last guy. If he fell, it was a good pick, and he did, and he's shown it. In um, in college, got off to a little bit of a slow start, but then just took off from there. He's looked great. Uh, line made of Jack Hughes. I mean, I'm not saying he made Jack Hughes. Jack Hughes probably made him. So he's going to be the first pick of the draft, and you know he's just got all the talent in the world. Possibly, like, you can really see the potential. As far as making the Flyers, I think that's a real, real long shot. Uh, especially when you consider Morgan Frost in the pipeline, and they might make some free agent moves, if not signings. Um, it's also not out of the possibility if this um, upper management really pushes for Fletcher to make a serious move that he's involved in a trade. I really hope that's not the case, but you never know. With this, look at all they signed three head coaches, and if they can't talk anybody, pay anybody to come here, and they want to make moves. That's definitely not – or if they have to trade Proveroff and they need to fill that hole and they got to make a trade, it's not out of the realm of possibility. But I see him on the Phantoms possibly getting called up if he can stay healthy. As you saw with Jeremy Rubstoff, who was finally starting to play good last year, he got hurt. That was the end of him. So I expect Farabee to play – if he, he'll be with the Phantoms and he'll play at least 80 to 85% of his games with the Phantoms next year. He might get a cup of coffee in the NHL. He would really have to impress in camp and – depending on who they get in free agency or trades, it might not even matter. So it's exciting that he's already going to be with the Phantoms considering he was drafted just last year and we see all the talent in the world. And he's a pure left wing. You know, that's we need actual pure wingers, not centers we move to wing. So I'm excited for him. And it was it was a good pick, you know, and I'm um, hoping it really pans out. Uh, uh, but it's I don't see him with the Flyers this year, not in a legit – a legit. Uh, 
I don't see him as a serious piece as to them making the playoffs or anything like that. Right. What would it be? It would be another like third line winger. He'd be playing with Patrick or, or something weird. It should be interesting to see. He did have a, a good year this year. Uh, I, I, I always like to see these guys. I mean, he's young. It's not like he's been around for a while. So I think a year with the Phantoms may benefit him. And let's see what happens from there. You know? Yeah. I mean, you got to get used to the, the speed of play. And jumping straight from juniors to the NHL, you see a lot of players have issues with that, and Nolan Patrick being one of them. Um, so why not get a little bit used to it playing against grown men in the AHL and come up at your leisure? He's still young enough. It's not like we're rushing him. You know, sure. no need for that. We're not like, oh, we're one left wing away from being a contender. And no, we're not. Like, there's no, there's no reason for that. So let him get his, you know, his toe in the water and do it right. Like, let's not rush these guys you don't need to um and it's just it's i'm already excited he's already a fan i'm I'm used to guys getting drafted and it's two years minimum if they're not with the flyers then that third year they're with the phantoms and you're like oh maybe they'll come up like this is year two we're going into and he's with the Phantoms, so that's a plus so i'm excited for that and i man looking at the phantoms roster next year like they might be more interesting than watching the flyers (laughs) <laughs> I agree with you there, man. Maybe we should go to some Phantoms games. Seriously. Um, so, like we mentioned earlier, the second of the two first-round picks, Jay O'Brien. I know you wanted to talk about him a little bit. He played in 25 games this year for Providence College, uh, had two goals and three assists for five points. Uh, he played in the World Junior U20s. Uh, Farabee did as well. He played pretty, pretty well. Um, but Jay O'Brien in seven games played zero goals, zero assists. And it was a minus two. Go ahead. Your thoughts on Jay O'Brien. Well, just hearing your stats that I already knew this. This is why I wanted to talk about him. But I heard a lot of zeros, a lot of single digit numbers, uh, basically an absolutely dismal season. Uh, yeah, he got hurt, but he drafted a small kid coming out of high school in the first round. I mean, if it's not a reach, it's definitely a project. And I don't like projects. You know who else is a project? Samuel Moran. Okay, it's going to be twenty the 2019-2020 season. That guy was drafted in 2013. You're coming up on seven years, and the guy's, what, played 10, 11 NHL games? Now, I understand that there's circumstances involved, but this kid is already not off to a good start. He didn't go to June, Canadian juniors. He was going to the BCHL or something, which is like a step down from where he was. I think it had something to do with his eligibility. Not even sure if he's definitely going there. Point is, he played terrible. And what I'm reading, uh, uh, he could he could actually make it to uh, the NHL based on his trajectory at like age 24. Like that's terrible. That now that's worst case scenario. But like best case scenario might be like 22. He could, he'll be like juniors for a season or two, like next year, going forward possibly, or the year after that. I mean. Uh, then he'll be in the AHL, and it's just like this was like a third round pick, maybe even second. I could be okay with it, but this was this was our first round pick, and it's like, man, this guy might not even be around, and he hasn't even been playing well. This is very concerning. He's a project. He's already off to a bad start. It looks like he's taking a step back, and the only thing he's got going for him is he's super young, but he also isn't a very big guy. He and it doesn't sound like the NHL is his priority. It sounds like he's giving it a go, and if things don't go his way, 
he might just use his degree and go elsewhere. Like if you draft a guy in the first round, he better eat, live, and breathe hockey. Like you know, like it's like with the Marines, like you know, God, country, family, or whatever the order is. Like the you know, hockey for him should be one of his top three. Like God, family, hockey, and it sounds like it's not even in his top ten. That's very concerning. So I don't know if it wasn't, especially when you consider some of the other guys who went around his pick who we could have had like Delano or Kapari, both guys who look pretty good with their respective organizations. Um, you know, I hate to say, cause I, I believe in Hextall, but this is in the early it's early, but it's really starting to look like a bust. And I really don't like first round bust. So I don't know if you've been following him or whatnot, but just based on what I said, what, what do you think about that? So I remember when they drafted him, we were, we were kind of like, who, like, what the hell? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think we were also, at least I was drinking the Hextall Kool-Aid and, oh, he knows what he's doing. Like, let's see what this guy pans out as he's, you know, he's a two-way center, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, and, and, and I'm reading analysis here and exactly like you, like we thought at the time it says here, some may view it as a reach, but the Flyers love O'Brien's makeup and ability. Uh, he has the traits of a hockey player. <laughs> he has the traits of a hockey player. Just his timing of passes, when to shoot, when to pass. He's a really smart hockey player. He's competitive. He's strong. He's got a little agitator in him. That's a quote from former GM Ron Hextall. You know, we'll see what happens here. Uh, I'm not sure what Chuck Fletcher thinks of him. I-, I wonder if he's, you know, you still see that first round pick next to his name. Maybe maybe you add him in a deal somewhere. Who knows? Um, or, or maybe he's depth. We'll see. We'll see. I, I'm I'm not going to give up on the kid. I, I heard. I mean, we did read that he, he had some injury troubles this year. Um, but I, I think I'm in the same boat as you. Like that's pretty underwhelming first year. If you want to compare him to Faraby, who was picked just five spots ahead. Uh, I mean, Faraby was one of the better players in college hockey this year, and Jay O'Brien just was not close to that. Um, so yeah, I, I mean. He's a, he's a prospect. He's whatever. If you want to use him in trade bait, awesome. But there's guys behind him who had more impressive seasons, which to me is a little troubling. Um, and if you want to move on here, uh, do you have anything else you want to touch on with Jay O'Brien? No, the, the last thing is it just seems like Hextall followed a similar uh, formula of his, which we saw it work out twice, but no formula is perfect. And it's a fast riser. And he was a fast riser. When uh, Morgan Frost and Sandheim were selected, um, they weren't completely complete mysteries, but a lot of people raise eyebrows like, well, who's this? And I just feel like the jump has been more and more like when he took Frost, it was or it took Sanheim was his first pick. It, he was rising quick, but he was projected to go at the end of the first round and got him in the middle of the first round. So far, it's panned out. Morgan Frost was supposed to projected to go in the middle of the second round, went at the end of the first round. OK, but he looks like an absolute stud. Jay O'Brien, I don't even know if he was supposed to go in the second round, maybe late second round. And he goes mid to late uh, first round. Like that's now the jump is getting bigger and bigger. And it's like, is he was Hexall having a moment where everything I've done before this has worked out. Now I'm too smart for my own good and completely missed on a player. That's how I feel at this current time. It's early, but I just everything I hear, I don't like. So that that's where I'm at with it. Yeah, that's understandable for sure. Um, so we'll move on. Second round pick, number 50 overall, Adam Ganning, six foot four defenseman, 206 pounds. Uh, he's a sp- 
supposed to be a stay-at-home defenseman with toughness and size. Uh, Hextall's quote here, we like his size. We like his upside. He's a big guy. Moves pretty well for a big guy. He's got solid puck skills, and he's he has the range we need for a solid defensive defenseman. Um, that's interesting because that's what the Flyers could use more of on, on the actual roster. Um, some stats here from 2018-2019 season. He played with Linko Pings, HC, uh, from the Swedish League. In 48 games played, he had a goal for assist for five points. Uh, he was a minus seven. Uh, in four World Junior Championships games, uh, he had no points, no assists, and he was an even for plus minus. Um, so Adam Ginning, I think overall he had a solid year. He's 19 years old. Uh, like I mentioned before, he's 6'4", 196 pounds, 50th overall pick in the second round. Your thoughts on Adam Ginning? I mean, I'm really happy that he had a decent season. Um, unfortunately, when he was drafted, I felt this way, and I still feel this way. He uh, he reminds me of Robert Hag, you know, and I I don't think we need another Robert Hag. I, for a, if this guy was a late round pick, you know, fourth or on, whatever, even third, but like second rounder, I wanted a, a guy who had a better chance at actually cracking our roster. And if he does, he'll never be anything more than a, a sixth or seventh guy, in my opinion. And even, I don't even think he'll make it that far to be quite honest so yeah i mean good for him i guess i just i really don't see him being part of the flyers future all right all right uh tough for me to disagree uh he had an okay year nothing really stood out you know the thing that stands out most at least to me is his size um and and the fact that hextall drafted him in the second round but he also drafted drafted jay o'brien in the first round so that's pretty much all I have to go off of him. I didn't really watch much of him this year. I'm not going to give any bullshit, uh, you know, uh, analysis on my end. So I'm just going based off stats and, you know, not really much to get excited about. However, the next player that I'm going to bring up here, uh, who was drafted in the fourth round, number 112 overall, Jack St. Ivany. Uh, I'm sorry, John St. Ivany, six foot two, 198 pound defenseman. He's a right handed shot which the Flyers actually could use on the roster again. Uh, Hextall's quote, good size, moves well, kind of one of those steady uh, steady Eddie types of guys. Huh. Solid with the puck. <laughs> he was a good fit for our group. Okay, um, so here's some, <laughs> here's some stats here. And I'm laughing because, you know, he's a good fit for the group that they need now, but he's not going to be up there anytime soon. Um, 2018-2019 was his first year of college hockey. He played at Yale University. 30 games played, six goals, eight assists for 14 points, plus eight. Uh, he also made the U United States World Junior Championships roster. Right? He played in seven games for a minus three. Jack, your thoughts on John St. Ivan? I mean, he's got a great first name. That's, that's the first thing that sticks out. Um, <laughs> other than that, I mean, he's a, for a fourth-round pick, this is the kind of guy – if we're going to have to start replenishing our defensive corpse that I'm okay with, um, his name has popped up a little bit in our 2018 draftees that where I knew his name, just not really what round he was drafted in until I researched it, which is good. That means he must be doing something to stand out. Nothing spectacular, but for a fourth round pick, this seems slightly above average of what I would hope for its uh, projectory. So yeah, I'll take it. Uh, I mean, it's a fourth round pick. So you nothing really get excited. It's not like, not like Lindblom in the fifth and how well he started playing or anything, but it's also not like he's terrible. Like, uh, 
Oh God, we've had some clunkers in the in the later rounds, and I there's one guy that comes to mind, uh, Samuel McLove Falls or something like that. I remember I I remember that name because it was a hyphenated name, and like right away the guy was terrible, you know. So it's not that, you know. And we need defensive depth. So I mean, I don't really have a feeling about where he was drafted. I just know that he's in our system, and so far so good for for what it is, and that's all you can ask for at this point. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna agree with you. So, our next guy on the on the um, list here, fifth round pick, number 127 overall, may have the best name in Wyatt Wiley, six foot, 190 pound defenseman, another righty blue liner that saw his draft stock shoot up in the second half of his junior season. Uh, Wiley's quote about himself: "I like to describe myself as a two way defenseman, one that can move pucks up and likes to join the play." His stats from HockeyDB.com. He's improved each season with the Everett Silvertips um, since 2016-17. He improved on those numbers in 2017-18. And then his his most recent season, 18-19, where he played 67 games, he scored 11 goals, 36 assists for 47 points, plus 33. Uh, Playoffs, he played 10 games. He had a goal, four assists for five points. Pretty solid season from Wyatt Wiley, who, who I, like I said, improved. He's improving on his numbers big time each season. Uh, he's 19 years old. Should, I'm assuming he's going to go play college hockey next year. Or it should be interesting to see what happens with him because he looks like he could be a player. And that's just it. This is a guy I definitely have my eye on. Another defenseman, another right-handed defenseman. Uh, but he just seems to be playing well and getting better. And to the point where I've read and seen his name and read enough about him where I have him ranked 21st on my prospect list, considering he was just for the Flyers, considering he was just drafted. Um, and he's already he's above the likes for me anyway of second round pick Adam Ginning, you know, so uh, or uh, Felix Sandstrom. Uh, even Matthew Strom, if he ever improves his skating, he could skyrocket on that list. But that's neither here nor there. Um, you know, where I have a guy like Jay O'Brien, the first round pick at 14, and this guy at 21. Yeah, it's a, it's a seven uh, point difference there. But the point is, I like what I see from this guy, considering he was drafted in the fifth round this year. And he's probably one of the outside of Farabee, he's probably one of the most interesting names drafted in this. 2018 draft that I will be keeping my eye on. He's probably number two behind behind Farabee, and it's all it's all house money because it was a fifth round pick. Hell yeah, and that, that's uh, it's awesome because we can look forward to our fifth round draft pick doing something next year. And you know what's even more exciting is they had another guy in the fifth round that we can keep an keep an eye on. And you know. Eventually, the Flyers are going to have a little bit of a problem here, and I'm talking about the goaltending situation, and it's a problem that they haven't had since I've been on this earth. You know, they have too many goalies, <laughs> too many good goalies, and now that they finally have a number one in Carter Hart, things are going to get a little clogged up. We know that uh, for the Phantoms this year, they're going to have – I'm sorry, next year, they're going to have Felix Sandstrom. Um, and is it Ustamenko that got, uh, that's coming yes. over? Okay, so, I mean – the. Those are two of their top prospects there. And then they just so happened to draft a guy named Samuel Erson, uh, six foot two goalie. I believe he's from Sweden. I'll tell you in a second. 176 pounds. Um, Flyers were not going to chase a goalie, but like the ceiling here with this guy. 
Uh, here's a quote from Hextall. We think there's some upside there that hasn't been tapped yet. We got him a lot later. Uh, had we needed a goalie, we would have taken him a lot earlier. So there's a luxury there in, in having a guy like Carter Hart. I mean, he knows already that they don't need a goalie. Um, you know, a guy that they liked sounds like they slid. And they took him. And all of a sudden, the Flyers have four, maybe five goalie prospects. And I'm still considering Hart uh, a prospect. Um, but if you're not, then they have three, at least three or four goalie prospects, which I think is amazing. Um, so a little couple stats here. He played for Vesteris, uh, IK in the Swedish League One. I, maybe that's the next step down. I'm not sure. Um, in 36 games played, uh, 1.95 goals against average, five shutouts, 27 and nine record, uh, 0.933 save percentage. Again, that's in the Swedish one league. Uh, I think that's what it is here. Uh, he did play in the World Junior Championships. I don't have goalie stats in front of me. That would be nice if I did. But I think he played pretty well, if I can recall. Your thoughts on Samuel Erson, Jack? It's another uh, seems to be great find. I mean, a goalie in the fifth round, and he's already making notice. Uh, honestly, more so than Wyatt Wiley. Uh, I almost forgot about him because I didn't have my goalie list up. But, yeah, he was a, he was a guy that, like, not just casual – not just – casual Flyers fans were talking about like people who usually don't talk about prospects have mentioned this guy that's saying something now I heard the competition he was up against wasn't the greatest however this is step one you dominate what you can and you go from there so yeah he's another guy I have him rated as high as 14 on my list he's actually right above Jay O'Brien what does that tell you <laughs> like so I mean yeah that could obviously change but you got to like what you see and what you hear. I mean, that's fantastic. And now our goalie pool is, geez, even with Carter Hart graduating, we still have very solid prospects. Somebody's got to have to get moved. Uh, I just hope it's in a sweetener deal. I hope they're not just shuffling players around and getting future picks. I hope we actually do something here. Uh, but, yeah, it's, you know, you got the assets. It's time to do something with it and, if he one day is the backup goalie or God forbid the starting goalie for our team. Wow. You know, I mean, it, it's just, they really nailed it in the fifth round, at least, at least right now kind of makes up for um, their later first and second round pick. If you ask me, I am being harsh. There is time, but the number one thing that takes a project, the position that takes a project is goaltending. So if this guy makes it to the AHL or God forbid the NHL before Jay O'Brien does, what the hell does that tell you? <laughs> I know. I mean, Jay O'Brien, man. I'm still shocked that they took him. I really am. Uh, having said that, I am excited for some of these later prospects. I mean, it feels like almost they did a better job drafting late than they did in the first two rounds. Uh, maybe in the first three, even. Uh, we mentioned O'Brien gaining St. Evany or St. Ivany, however you want to say that name. The two guys that I'm most excited, besides Farabee, that we've done so far is Wyatt Wiley and Samuel Erson. Um, having said that, we may never see Erson play for the Flyers. Maybe we will. Maybe he'll be with the Phantoms. Who knows? Um, on to the last two guys here. I haven't really heard much of these guys uh, all season long. I mean, that could be typical because they are uh, sixth and seventh round picks. Let me just bring up the stats for the one Gavin Hain. And you might say, who? And that's kind of what I'm saying, because I don't think I've seen that name since this time last year. Gavin Hain, 
19 years old, five foot 11, 193 pound center. Was a teammate of Farabee with bottom six potential. Um, yeah, not really much there as far as a quote. He played at the University of North Dakota this year. And guess who he had better stats than? <laughs> he played in 31 games, six goals, three assists for nine points, was a plus 16. University of North Dakota is a pretty good school, isn't it? Uh, I hope I know. I, I mean, apparently they have uh, fantastic Hall of Fame coaches, so, you know. <laughs> you wouldn't be talking about Hackstall, right? Never. Never. <laughs> so, yeah, they drafted a, a kid from the University of North Dakota. Put up better numbers than Jay O'Brien. Obviously played in more games. Obviously wasn't hurt all year long. Any thoughts or opinions on Gavin Hayne? I mean, from I only heard like one or two things about him. Neither were really very good. Uh, I almost feel like they drafted him because he was Farabee's teammate. And they kind of had hopes for him that he would. I can't remember exactly what it was. But whatever they wanted to see, they did not see. So that's, that's the general gist of what I got from a 2018 sixth round pick. He's literally my second to last rated prospect for them right now. I mean, <laughs> we'll see, but I don't really, I think they reached in. And when you're talking about a guy, you reach in the sixth round. What do you really got? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we won't spend much time talking about our seventh round pick or will we? So our seventh round pick number two Oh five overall Marcus Westfall, six foot three, 203 pounds can play center and left wing. The analysis on Marcus Westfall. Is he another Oscar Lindblom type prospect? Uh, Westfall does have some traits to like, apparently. Um, quote from Hextall, I like the mix that we got. Uh, 3D, four forwards, and a goalie. I like the mix. I like the fits. We got some good players. We got some skill up front. We got some guys in the back that complement our group with some size, some steady guys. So not really much on Marcus West there. Assuming he was just a dart, just a shot. Uh I'll give you his stats real quick before we move on. He played for Karis Krona, HK, in the Swedish one league. 19 games played, two assists for a minus five. That's Marcus Westfall. Any opinions there? Um, considering the amount of center depth this team has on the current roster of the AHL and their prospects, he would have to score at a Wayne Gretzky pace to even be a blimp on the radar. <laughs> It's unfortunate, but <laughs> hey, you have seventh round picks. You hope for a miracle. God bless them. And if anything happens, yeah, heck, we're going to look, it's going to be great for us. But he is my last rated prospect until proven otherwise. Yep. So that's probably going to be the only time you're ever going to hear Marcus Westfall's name mentioned in the same sentence as Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> Sorry, Marcus Westfall. <laughs> it was not a good, <laughs> it was not good. Um, so we'll move on here. Uh, did you want to touch on the free agent topic or you want to talk about, um, what, what did you have, Jack? You had something good there. Now I can't well, remember. I got to look. Well, it up. I'll, I'll bring this up just because I thought it'd be interesting as we Flyers fans really only have to look forward to the draft and free agency. And if you don't know who the players are in the draft, you're really looking forward to free agency. And we thought what we would do is, uh, you know, once an episode, just take a player, just one, 
from the free agent pool and just plot him on the Flyers if, you know, miraculously they were to sign them and that was their only move and they really kept everybody else on the team. What And this is obviously if they re-sign Proveroff because I thought that would be a thing. Um, what our lineups would look like and maybe some predictions. So the first player I chose was Panarin. Might as well start at the top. If the Flyers were to magically sign Panarin and nobody else, no trades, no nothing, well, except for re-signing Proveroff, I see them, and tell me if you have any disagreements or you do anything differently. I think the first line, because he is a left wing, you have Coots at center, Panarin to your left. I put JVR to your right. Your second line, to help your center depth, you move G back to center. You reunite him with Jake. I put Lindblom with them because I feel like he can produce more with talent. And now your third line is Nolan Patrick, Travis Konechny, and I have Hartman. So your fourth line is made up of Lawton, Roffel, and as of right now, Justin Bailey. That last uh, spot could be anybody, really, but that's who I have right now. And then your defensive core of, you know, Proveroff, Sanheim, Gudis, Ghost, Myers, Hag, Moran, McDonald on the bench to go along with Carter Hart. And I said, I said Talbot. So hearing that, what would you do anything different with that lineup? Or do you think that's pretty close to uh, ideal? So if they were to get Panarin, <clears throat> you know, you'd have him playing with Coots and, and you mentioned JVR, I believe. Yeah, I feel like those they would complement each other really well. Panarin and Coots are playmakers. Coots does have a scoring touch, but JVR definitely has a scoring touch. And I feel like they can really make things happen. You got to power forward with a, a play with two playmakers and just nobody's too small on that line. And oh my, I just, I feel like they could really take over some other teams' uh, lines and just dominate. And then uh, your second line, I, I know you had G, uh, G playing center. Uh, who am I missing on the left? Wing? I put Limblom on the left, Jake on the right. Limblom. Okay, Drew. Lindblom, Voracek, uh, and fourth. I liked your fourth line. Uh, you had Lawton, Raffle, and Bailey. Right? Yes, and that Bailey spot is open to whichever phantom they want to bring up or whatever move they want to do, really. I don't think that's a big deal. Uh, you know, you the, part of doing this is you can move G. I originally had G on the, at, at the right wing on the top line. But we, I put Nolan Patrick in it at the second line center, and I didn't like that. So you move him back to his original position. Now you take him off the first line. I think people might have a conniption fit, but it really helps your center depth. I mean, I guess you can move Coots down and move G as your top line center, which is probably what the Flyers would do. But based on the last two seasons, I think Coots is your top line center. Plus, Drew and Vorchek have – they play. They played together before, and they were the Flyers for a few seasons. You put them on your second line to play against lesser competition. I think they could make some magic happen, and you know, revitalize Jake a little bit. And Limb, you're giving them Limbaum. It's not like you're giving them Raffle, you know. So I, I, I just that that excites me. Those top two lines, and then your third line, you got Nolan Patcher with Konechny, and then you got a workman like Hartman. You can even put Lawton, Lawton there. I just thought Lawton might be better at center considering who you have. And then, like your fourth, your fourth lines, Raffle and Lawton. That's pretty legit. I mean, and then you, I, we didn't even get to talk about the power play. So I think um, if they were to do that, that was their only move. I mean, that would really open some things up. Yeah, you know, and I'm looking at your roster now. That's 
those top two lines, man, it would be pretty deadly. And if you can get something from Patrick, having a guy like Konechny and uh, a hardworking guy like Hartman on your third line, and then even even Raffle, Lawton, Bailey's a respectable fourth line, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, just having Panarin alone would add a lot of uh, just skill to the roster, something that they desperately need, I think, on offense besides uh, Cooch, Giroux, um, you know, if you want to add board check on there, there's not too many guys that can create. And I think that is absolutely lacking from this roster. So if they could get a guy like Panarin and they're able to move a guy like Giroux to the second line, now you have two lines that can create offense, you know? Um, and I think it's, it's, they've been desperately, desperately lacking creativity and, and Giroux needs help, you know, and a guy like Panarin is an instant fix. I think there. Yeah, and I think dropping him down a line and playing against lesser competition with pretty damn good line mates in Voracek and Limblom, especially considering what Limblom did last year and his chemistry with Jake, like that could be just what the doctor ordered to have two two number one lines really. Like that that's what it would be. And then, you know, you can even move you could swap Limblom and TK or give swap JVR out of that top line and throw TK or Limblom up there. Those are your three interchangeable guys. But Coots and Panarin should be together. G and Jake should be together. And then, you know, Nolan gets dropped to the third line center. That could help him out. It's it's just it makes so much it helps the rest of your lineup, your forwards all around. And if you let you want to build your defense naturally and see what, you know, Sandheim can step up, Provorov can have a bounce back, and Myers can be a real deal. Well, you know, Carter Hart net, like suddenly, suddenly I think you're pushing for a division title because we don't have like you were saying about adding skill. Panarin doesn't just have skill; he can take over games at times, and that could be the difference down the line from, you know, a division title or just barely making it in the wild card. And it would be definitely be really exciting to see. Like I said, really don't think I'll see this. Ha- we'll see this happen, but it's nice to dream, and that's the point of this exercise. Yeah, absolutely agree. Um, so for mine. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go a different route here. It's similar, but a, a little bit different. I would go for Duchesne. And he's not somebody that I, w- I would have picked earlier this year. Uh, I would have rather have seen the Flyers go after a guy like Ryan O'Reilly in a trade, something along those lines. Um, but I think after seeing Duchesne, what he did with the Blue Jackets, the only thing that would concern me a bit is – uh, the leadership type thing. I think the Blue Jackets had a good, a better locker room than the Flyers do. I think they had guys that could kind of, you know, take the take the lead and take charge and take some of the pressure off a guy like Duchesne. Because, you know, I, and I've mentioned this kind of thing before where the best players end up getting made captain and this and that, that kind of shit. Duchesne's, I think, the prime example of a guy who has great skill and is just not a leader. I don't think there's any reason to force him into that role. Uh, I think he's one of the guys. I think he just wants to play hockey. And I think with the Blue Jackets, you saw that kind of player. Um, So even though I'm saying I would like to see the Flyers go get a guy like Duchesne, I think on the flip side, they still need to go out and get some kind of vet, uh, whether it's on the defense or, you know, through a trade on offense somewhere. Because I'm just not sure if this roster is mature enough. If we're just talking about hockey skill, then I, I would like to see them go after a guy like Duchesne just to fill that second center void 
uh, and they, they'd have two lines. My lines would look a little similar, a couple changes here. Uh, I'd still have Giroux, Coots, and I'd throw Konechny up on that top line. Uh, I think Konechny really ve- uh, benefited playing with Giroux and, and Couturier this year. I believe he had 24, maybe 25 goals, something like that. Uh, my second line would be JVR, Duchesne, and Voracek. I think JVR absolutely needs to play with a player uh, like Duchesne or Giroux in order to produce goals. Uh, I think having Duchesne, who's got those quick, shifty moves, playing with puck, uh, puck possession guys like JVR and, and Voracek, they're, you know, they're supposed to be tougher to take off the puck. Voracek more than JVR. I think those two lines would be pretty solid. My third line, uh, I would have Lynn Blomba, and it's not because I don't think that he has the skill to play on the second line. I actually like that you have him up there with Giroux and Voracek. I think he could easily score 20 to 25 goals next year. Um, he plays well with Nolan Patrick. And uh, I'm going to throw you a curveball here and have uh, Joel Farabee on that third line as the right winger. That's a, a young line, but, uh, you know, that could be more of your uh, defensive line. You know, maybe they pot a couple goals here and there. But if, you know, you have Farabee uh, focusing on defense, he's supposed to be a good two-way, two-way player. Patrick will be in his, his uh, third year, I believe. Maybe you get some more offense, offense out of him. And uh, signing a guy like Duchesne would take some of the pressure off for him to produce offensively. And then you have a guy like Lindblom. You know, he's, he'll be there for the dirty goals. Uh, he's a bigger body. Uh, he saw, we saw, I believe, in January, February, it was a, it was a, a hound around the net, putting in a, a bunch of loose, loose pucks in and around the net. Um, my fourth line here would be Hartman, Lawton, and Raffle. And I, I would say that that would have to be one of the better fourth lines in the league. I know you had Hartman up on the third line, and, and that's great because he can absolutely play on the third line, I believe. Um, but just for, for this exercise sake, uh, and even Lawton, having a player like Lawton on your fourth line who had career highs in goals, assists, and points this year, uh, I believe playing on the third line. He averaged around 14, 15 minutes. That's a pretty solid fourth line. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, either one of those guys, if they add to the roster, would improve this team, I believe, significantly. What do you think about uh, my, my lineup there? Oh, I, I would absolutely love to add Duchesne. Uh, and if Farabee were to make the lineup, I wouldn't put him on the fourth line. So that's exactly what I would do. And that fourth line, well, when you, if you do make the playoffs, that fourth line will pay dividends. And you will see, you know, you will definitely – it could win you series. It really could. And that would be ideal. So if, the de- if that lineup were to happen and the defense were to hold up and Hart be the real deal, that, that would – I could really see that team going places. Uh, obviously, you're adding two, one of the top two free agents in each of our exercises here. But, yeah, it's a – Part of yours is Farabee making the team, which would be fantastic. But, you know, whether it's him or Not Frost likely. or something like, you know, yeah, that would be – and if he was halfway decent, you know, just held his own, that would be that would be amazing. You know, I, I would be all about that. Um, but, you know, this is why uh, Fletcher really needs to do his shit, man. Like, he can't – he can't fuck this up. Oh, that well. I mean, the curse there, but uh, <laughs> now we got to put the uh, <laughs> now we got to put the thing on. What the hell is that called? The yeah, I almost, ma- Splic- I almost made it. Content. I came real close, but I mean it though. He really, this is too important, and <sighs> I don't know, man. Hey, you know what? You know what's interesting with both of our rosters here? We added. Uh, I ended up adding two players here, but you added one, and. <laughs> 
it's crazy to say, but one one or two players to this roster offensively could change a lot. You know, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's got to be the right player. If they say just added Eberle and nothing else, you know, that's that's a different story. I could see him even in a scenario where he'd be like on the third line with the guys we added are top line players. Duchesne's obviously getting bumped to the second line, but at that point you have two first lines and you're just real. And it just makes the whole rest of your lineup so good. So that's, so yeah, if they can get one of these premier free agents, it could go a long way. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It should be interesting. I'm excited for it. I know uh, you're excited for it. Um, yeah, what else we got here? We're winding down. We got about five, six minutes left. What else did you want to cover, Jack? You got anything else? Well, the only last thing I can think of is just to dip our toe in the um, the draft here. Uh, one name that I do see connected with the Flyers a lot with where they're drafting at 11 this year. Um, let me just pull it up real quick. Uh, is that of... Peyton Krebs, he's a center. Um, so if I can just put so there we go. So yeah, I've seen a lot of uh, reports that have the Flyers uh, drafting him. Um, I mean, position, I don't really care. I lean towards defense to replenish that stockpile we had with everybody graduating. But honestly, best player available. Flyers have always known best player available in the first round, and it has they're pretty good drafting in the first round. He's a complete all-around center. Um, he produces no matter what role he's given, which is great considering the team we have, and there might not be a whole lot of roles, and you might have to go where you, where you go. And he, I, I like players that have a high hockey IQ, and he's incredibly smart with or without the puck. And players who thrive under pressure, especially late in games, got to take that. I mean, come on. How often is this team playing catch-up? <laughs> so, I mean, I'd like to break that and have him be, uh, you know, uh, thrive under pressure when we're tied or in overtime and not coming back from four goals. Uh, but he's also a good skater. He's pretty much an asset in all three zones. Just an early name to keep, out, uh, keep an eye out for with the draft coming. Uh, if he's there when we draft, uh, sounds good to me. Uh, Peyton Krebs from the WHL. So that's about all I had, just because we're getting uh, close to the closer and closer to the draft. All right, <clears throat> that's just a little sneak peek of Jack Smith's draft analysis. He is our draft expert here at High and Wide Radio. Peyton Krebs, everybody, keep a lookout for that name. Uh, we're gonna have a lot more draft stuff coming up in our future shows. Um, that's pretty much going to wrap this one up though. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed. We'll be back. I think next Tuesday. Um, yeah, we're going to sign off. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Hopefully Ivan Provorov is uh, signed by next week. And, uh, Jack, if you want to give any plugs out there, we'll wrap this baby up. Yeah, no, like you said about Provorov, I mean, if he's not, I hope we at least hear something that they've been in contact, that they didn't delete each other's numbers. Or, you know, I don't want to hear that Provorov unfollowed the Flyers on Twitter or anything like that. (laughs) You know, like, I just want to hear, like, they're in in talks. Everything's normal and fine. I can live with that. So, yes, Jack underscore HW Radio. We will be doing a NHL draft podcast. Still got, what, three three weeks to a month away from that. But those are always a blast, especially with the Flyers drafting high yet again. 
Yep. So we're going to wrap this one up. You guys can find me on Twitter, Jim underscore HW radio. Yeah. Give us a follow. Give us a listen. Um, if you're, if you guys aren't already give a follow to the national pod.net. Let me get that Twitter handle out for you. There's a lot of good flyers podcasts, a lot of good hockey podcasts on there. We're part of the national pod family. Give me one second. I'll have the handle up for you here. National podcast network. Okay, you can follow it at National Puck uh, or at National Podnet. Uh, yeah, if you have a podcast, a hockey podcast, and you want to get on there, send them a message or you can message Dan, the Flyer fan. Uh, yeah, and if you head on over there, give us a listen, all right, because we're on there. So we're going to sign off here and uh, wrap up. Hope you guys enjoyed, and we'll talk soon.